are several one another passages that that challenge us in the church uh, to uh, to think about how we're to deal with each other or one another within the body of Christ. So we're, we're going to start off this morning, I think, with the most important one because from this, everything else comes. When we get this one, when we figure this one out, or let me rephrase that because we're probably not going to figure it out, but when we when we try to figure this one out and work on this one, then all the other one another's uh, kind of just fall into place and work together. So, so the big one is, if you've looked at your notes, you see the title of the sermon this morning, love one another. That actually is a phrase that is used over and over in Scripture, whether it's stated exactly like that or or with some other uh, ideas attached to it. In fact, the text we're going to look at this morning is an example of that. We are challenged, we are, we are called to in in Scripture to love one another. Let me just touch on a, a, just a few of those verses that challenge us there. Jesus himself said in, in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Uh, in the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, the Apostle John wrote this, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Later on in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. First, uh, First John 4, verse 11, he says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Peter, another apostle of Jesus, in, in chapter 1 of his first book, verse 22, says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply. And in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. Are you, are you starting to get the idea that Scripture speaks to this, this thought, this concept, this idea, this, this challenge, this command, this encouragement, that we are to love one another. We've talked about it before. I'll just kind of touch base with or just touch on it as we start. We'll look at a passage that deals with it more uh, more directly a little bit later on. But but we're called to love one another, and that starts here. It starts in the church, but isn't just restricted for here. We start with the brothers, and then it moves on outside of the church as well. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, to the book of Romans. We're going to look at a text. That oddly enough, in a sermon entitled Love One Another, doesn't say it exactly that way. It really takes that thought, that concept, and expands on it and, and opens it up. And really what it does is it applies it. Uh, love one another. Well, what does that mean? Well, Paul, in Romans chapter 12, tries to unpack that a little bit and show us what it means. So if you have your Bibles, look with me. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 9. We'll read down through through verse 13. But if you want to kind of look to the end of the chapter, it really kind of all is tied together. Uh, Romans 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice Hospitality. I like this text because it just gives us some good practical thoughts on on what we're to do. But Paul starts off and and he and he'll tell us three different things that we need to do when it when it comes to love. Three things that we must do. First of all, love must be authentic. Notice what he says. This is how he says it. Love, at least in the NIV that I'm reading from, love must be sincere, or it must 
be authentic. We, we see over and over again in the New Testament that we're called to love one another. But Paul, Paul adds an application here. He adds some depth to this and, and he points out not just that we're to love one another, but he, but he describes that. He says we are to be authentic. In other words, what he really is saying there is that the love that we're supposed to have, it's not, it's not fake. It's not a fake love. We, we read a lot. We, we hear a lot about fake news now, what that, that, that uh, entails. But, but our love is not to be fake. It is to be, as, as it says here, sincere or authentic. Paul, Paul uses an interesting word that is translated sincere. It's an interesting word, uh, in Greek because it's rich, uh, in, in its meaning. It's rich in some of its subtleness. He uses, the Greek word, and I don't expect you to remember this, but it's the Greek word anupokritas. Anupokritas. It's, it's actually two words put together. The anu means without. Uh, so without. It, it's tacked on the front. So without. And the, the, the pokritas actually comes from the Greek word hupokritas. I'll just tell you, can anyone think maybe an English word that would come from that Greek hupokritas? Hypocrite. So that's the, the word that we get the word hypocrite from it comes from that, that Greek word hypocritas. So it's the combination of those two words without, so really without hypocrisy, with, without being a hypocrite. Now, uh, hypocritas is a word that, that came to mean, at least for us, as it's worked its way through, through centuries, has came, come to mean, uh, to, to mean hypocrite. It, it means someone that says one thing and does something else. They may act one way, but they, but it's not the real person. But, but in Greek culture, the, the reason that word kind of meant hypocrite or came to mean that was because it literally was describing, hypocritos actually was the word that was used to describe an actor. So an act, an actor was a, was a hypocritos or, or a hypocrite. And the reason that was the case was in, in that culture, in that day, when, when actors would act, they would put masks on. And so one actor would portray several different characters. And the way that you distinguish between one character and the next was to put a mask on. So one one actor might put on the villain mask. And when he put the villain mask on, he was pretending to be the villain. And he might take that one off and put on the hero mask. And when he put that mask on, he was pretending to be the hero. And he might take it off and put one on that became the innocent bystander or someone else. And And, and, and so each mask, he was pretending as an actor, which really is what acting is. You're pretending to be someone else. He was pretending to be someone that he wasn't. Paul calls us then to have a love that is without pretending. It, it is calling us, or he's calling us, to be sincere, to, to not be fake, to not put mask on. Here's the problem. Church, we talk a lot in, in our culture of the church. We talk a lot about loving one another. I, I already read several scriptures that mention that and, and, and we read those from time to time. We, we sing about it. We proclaim it. We know those verses and probably have some of those verses memorized. We claim to practice it, profess it, to be known for it. Are, are you kind of following me? But are we sincere? Is, is our love really sincere? Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something here in just a second. 
that maybe I shouldn't say. So elders, uh, got a couple of elders here. Today. If, if I, if I start to go too far, would you just kind of wave your hand at me? Let me know that you think, hey, Tim, you've gone too far. I'm going to keep going, but I just want you to wave your hand at me just for the fun of it. Um, we, uh, we talk a lot about love in the church. But do we sometimes put on mask? Do, do we put on our, our, our smiling go to church mask? Do, do we sometimes put on our, our empathetic, I really care about you mask? And do, sometimes we put on the, I'm, I'm willing to give of myself, I will serve you mask. Um, now, now, I'm not saying that Tory Christian Church, anyone here does that. Okay, yes I am. <laughs> uh, and the reason I say that, you know, because every church that I've ever been involved with, has has had a culture of talking about loving one another and yet has been guilty of not necessarily doing it. My home church, Woodlawn Christian Church, great church, grew up there, but but there were people there that talked about love but didn't love. Uh, Blenville Christian Church, that's a church I attended in college, great college church, uh, but uh but but there were people that weren't weren't uh, weren't always loving. Uh uh, Green Valley Christian Church, a church I had a youth ministry at when I was a student. Uh, there were people there that talked about love but didn't love. Uh, White Christian Church, the first church I preached at, it was only a church of about 15 people, but they talked about love, but sometimes they, they didn't. Uh, Hume Christian Church and then Calvary Christian Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where, where I served, and then Russville Christian Church and Central Christian Church where I attended for a while. And, and even here, I know that there's people that talk about love that, that don't love. You know why I know that? Because I've been a member of all those churches. And there was times when I talked about love and I didn't necessarily do it. I put a mask on. So are we guilty of loving, talking about love, but not being sincere? Paul, Paul's challenge here is for us to examine ourselves and, and check out our authenticity. I, I know I, I talked about this in another sermon, but in, in 2014, uh, my boys and I met in uh, uh, in Kansas City at Royal Stadium to go to one of the playoff games. I believe they were playing the uh, the the Angels that game. Ended up winning the game, but but we met in the parking lot Sunday afternoon, and uh, they came from all over from Springfield and from Kansas City and from uh, Tulsa. We met there, and we didn't have tickets. But we, we found a guy that was selling standing room only tickets. And so we went up to him. And I can't remember how much we paid. In my mind, we paid $100. Does that sound right? You didn't know I was going to pay that much for a ticket, I'm pretty sure. But in my mind, we paid $100 for a standing room ticket. And here's what the guy handed us, a piece of paper. He just handed us a piece of paper. Now on it, it said, it had all the right stuff. It said Kansas City Royals and it had the right date and there was a barcode and it said standing room only and, and it looked authentic. It looks, well actually it didn't look authentic because it was just a piece of paper. And, and we handed him the money and took these four tickets and I'm, as we started to walk away, I'm thinking, man, I hope they're real. That guy could have just printed, you know, typed it up and printed off a, a barcode on there. And by the time we figured out, he was going to be long gone. So when we got up to the gate to go in, as we're walking in, you know, they're scanning each ticket. And most people have nice, fancy tickets, and, and but the guy scans it. And, and scans it about after two seconds of scanning, it goes, if you've ever been there, it goes, dee-dee, you know, makes that little noise. And, and so I'm watching this. And each one, it takes about two seconds. 
for the guy scanning and to make that noise which says, hey, come on in, you got a real ticket. When I got up there, the first thing I handed him the paper, I was afraid he was going to like, what in the world is this? But he took it like, yeah, he had seen those. And he put the scanner on it, and it seemed like it was 30 seconds. You know, he went back and forward and back and forward. Now, it probably was only about three or four seconds. It was a little longer than before, but just three or four seconds before it finally did it. Am I bad for saying this? <laughs> Part of me thought to myself, I made it in. I hope the boys do. <laughs> if, if not, I'll buy you all a souvenir and tell you about it. <laughs> I, I did think that a little bit. I was, I was pulling for him. I hope yours is, is legitimate as well. Here's the reality. A fake ticket meant I was going to be left out. Authentic meant I got to go in and enjoy, enjoy the game. Paul says our love must be sincere without hypocrisy, no mask. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? Now, th- this isn't in your notes, but if you want to write it down, you can. I, I want to just touch on, on four quick things. First of all, we must pursue the truth. If we can have the courage to examine ourselves, if we can have the integrity to look closely at ourselves, if we can have the, the faith to look closely at ourselves and ask ourselves that question, is my love sincere? When, when I talk about loving one another in the body of Christ and outside the body, am, am I really doing that? We, we need to pursue the truth. We need to pursue and look closely at ourselves. Secondly, we need to pray. Uh, we need to pray that God will open our eyes and give us opportunities to show love. Ephesians chapter 2, 10 First, we look at it quite often, it says this, that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us. If, if God has prepared opportunities for us to show love and do good works, then we need to be praying that we see those. We need to be preparing ourselves. First Peter 1.13 says, therefore, prepare your minds for actions. We need to have our hearts prepared that we can be authentic in our love. And then finally, we need to plan. We need to be intentional about loving, intentional about showing our brother's love. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And Colossians 4.5 says, Be wise in every way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. We need to be intentional in what we do. When we love, we have to be intentional. Let me illustrate this way. Rita and I started dating in college, and when we started dating, the way I thought about her, the way I treated her changed. We, we were friends. We were kind of part of a friend group before that, and, and we would, we would be together quite often. But after our, our first date, and <laughs> she's afraid to look at me. <laughs> she pretended to write notes there, but she's, what's he going to say? <laughs> after our first date, I think I knew. I think I knew that I had her fooled. And uh, uh, I think I knew that I was going to marry her. I'm thinking, man, there must be something wrong with her because she seems to like me. Um, and she, she laughs at my jokes. She used to. Um, uh, she, she seems to be enamored with my quirky personality. We had this conversation this morning. Now she's just annoyed usually with my personality. But, uh, but, but, but I seem to have So when we started dating things, Changed when we were, before we were dating, we would, 
would often run into each other at chapel. Our, our, at Ozark, we had chapel on Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock. And, and, and our peer group, kind of there's a group about 10 or 12 of us, would always sit up in the balcony. Now, we sat in the balcony because that was closer to God so that, um, or so we could talk and maybe not listen close. I don't know. Remember which, same reason you guys sit on the back row. So, uh, that we sat in the balcony. <laughs> okay. Whatever. And, uh, uh, <laughs> I lost my track. Where am <laughs> we? We sit in the balcony and, and sometimes we sat near each other. Sometimes we sat by each other. Yeah. But after we started dating, I'd meet her in the lobby. We made plans. Hey, I'll meet you in the lobby. Cause, cause when we went up to the balcony, I wanted to be sure that I was sitting by her. Before we started dating, we kind of hung out, but after we started dating, I opened doors for her. And I still do occasionally, don't I? I, I opened doors for her and, and I said nice things to her and I, 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 I bought her meals and I sometimes even bought her gifts. You remember when I used to buy you gifts? And, uh, because I, I, I changed. She, she was different to me now. Uh, but before we dated, I might roll out of bed. I had most semesters a seven o'clock class and I might roll out of bed with bedhead and I didn't care. But after we started, I had hair enough to have bedhead then. When, when we started dating, I would get up early because I wanted to be sure to take a shower and get my hair, well, at least combed and, and have clean clothes on and smell good. And I, because I cared. Uh, about her. Um, once we started dating, I started noticing when she was down, when she was happy, when she was quiet, when she seemed distracted. Not only did I notice, okay, now I was a guy, I didn't notice all that much, but but not only did I notice, but I cared that she had those emotions. The, the reality is I, I, I see these ex- similar examples throughout our body here. All I have to do is look at parents with their kids. You know what? You care about your kids. You you make sure they're taken care of. You meet their needs. You want to, to be with them. You want to help them if they're struggling or hurting. You want to make life easy if you can. Paul is asking us this challenging question. Are you sincere? Are you sincere? See, uh, See, it's not fake. Sincere love is not fake. And it, it's not, it's not fearful. Now I'm gonna, I, we're gonna go fast here for the rest of the sermon, so hang on. It's, it's not fearful. Notice what he says. Love must be sincere, but he tags something on there. He says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. If we're gonna have sincere love, then we can't be fearful to make a stand. We can't be fearful to stand up for what is right. It's kind of a, a, a really a topic for another day. I'm not going to spend much time on this because we could do a whole sermon on this, this idea. But we need to know that real love, when we truly love like Christ, we are willing to make a stand for what is right and against for what is wrong. In our theme last year, love God and love people, we pointed out that that is the two greatest commands. Love God and love people. Love God, love other, other people. But it starts with loving God. If we truly love God, then we stand for what He stands for. Even if that's going to hurt someone's feelings, even if that's going to make someone mad in our culture, we have so many people and actually even so many churches that have changed their thinking. And under the umbrella of love, under the umbrella of pretending to love, 
we, we let any and everything go. The truth is, if we truly love people, we would stand for what is right. And when we see something that is literally hurting them, that is leading them away from God, we stand up against it, not bow to it and say we love them. Because that's not love. Uh, it stands up and true love, sincere love, holds on. We hold on to the truth. Now let's, let's look quickly at the, the second point. If you have your Bibles there, look in verse 10. Uh, in uh, in chapter uh, 12, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. What he's saying there is love must be altering. If we have sincere love, if we have love for one another, then it must alter what we do with our life. Here's the first thing. It alters, it alters our allegiance when we have love. We see that if we look a little bit closer into this text. Paul uses some interesting Greek words there. Uh, for the word in, in my, in the in NIV, it's translated be devoted to one another. It may be translated differently for you. If you have uh, the King James, it may say kindly affectioned, or it may say tenderly affectioned. He uses the Greek word there, philostorge, to get this idea of kindly affectioned or or devoted to one another. It It appears to be a combination of two Greek words, that both mean love. It, it's the, the Greek word philos, which means love, and, and, and that's a, a word that, and he'll use it again in the text, that's a, that's a word that talks about uh, a love that you might have for a friend. And, and he also adds the word storge, which is kind of a family love. So a, a love that you would have for a kindred, a love that you'd have for a brother, love that you'd have for a cousin, someone in your family. Oftentimes they would use that Greek word storge to get that idea so he puts those two together, and it comes out as being devoted. It comes out as is having some type of devotion or kindred spirit. Uh, so, so in other words, he says, be devoted to one another. And then he uses another word in brotherly love, and he, he brules it in again. He uses the word in Greek, Philadelphia. Now, you might catch that. That sounds like the name we we know the one the uh, the Super Bowl Philadelphia that Greek or that word uh, is a Greek word that literally means brotherly love. Uh, love is philo and Adelphia, which means brother or kindred, uh, brotherly love. So we are told there, we are told there to have a, a a family type of love in in kind of brotherly love. What he says, what someone said, is he's trying to say love the brother in faith as if he were a brother in blood. So when he says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, love the brother in the church as if he were your brother by blood. We're called in the church to love one another. We're called in the church to love our brothers in Christ, but really what we're called is to love them like their brothers. Do you see how that's tying back to that sincere? We talk about that all the time, don't we? Oh, we have brotherly love. Hey, you're my brother in Christ. But we're called to have that kind of deep love. It changes our, uh, literally changes our allegiance so that we see someone as a brother. Let me illustrate it this way. You all, you all know the Simpson family and that they're KU fans, right? Everyone know that? If you didn't, you know now. Simpsons are, are KU, KU fans. But, but that hasn't always uh, been the case. John, Mike, and, and Lori's uh, oldest child, Hannah, wasn't always a KU fan. In fact, she used to be a K-State fan. Uh, we're not sure why, but she was a K-State fan. 
in, in, in fact, she was probably more of a KU, K-State girls team fan, but she was a K-State fan. And Lori tried to change her thinking, and she couldn't do it. Her, her husband, since she had dated him since junior high, is that, is that right, Bryce? From junior high, all the way through high school, she tried, he tried to change her to be a KU fan, and no joy there. And, and it wasn't till Reese went to KU. It wasn't until her brother went to KU that she started liking. I don't, I don't know why. Now, I do remind you K-State people that, remember, the, the sermon today is on brotherly love. So, uh, so for our KU friends, be sure to show them brotherly love. Uh, it does go two ways. Exactly right. <laughs> I was cheering for the Wildcats yesterday, okay? They let me down. We are called, and what we see in this passage, to change allegiance. So we we look at someone, and really that's the whole point he's pointing out there, is that we look at someone and it changes how we see them. It literally changes so that we see them as our family, as blood, as our relative. See, it should change our our attitude, when we, when our allegiance changes, then our attitude changes. I have, I've talked about before, I have four sisters and one brother. So I was raised a family of six kids. Um, and I'll, I would love to tell you that I love all my brothers and sisters equally. Uh, that, that, that we were all equally close, but I'd be lying to you. Uh, my oldest sister, I pointed that out to you one time, my oldest sister was mean. And I didn't like her growing up. Um, it's only after she become adult that I can tolerate her now. But no, she's, she's alright. But I didn't like her growing up. My, my sister Cindy, who was like a year and a half older than, than my twin sister Mindy and I, and, and us, a year and a half older, she was the baby of the family. She got everything. Mom, we always had to be sensitive around Cindy. You might say something that would hurt her feelings. And mom always treated her differently. And she got special food sometimes, cause she didn't. Didn't even have a sister or brother like that? And that was my sister Cindy. And so I didn't like Cindy much either growing up, right? Cause she was just that, oh, <laughs> Patting the shoulders here, okay. I don't want to create, remember, love, love like family, we're love, we're gonna, we're gonna bring this out. Uh, but even as adults, my, my, my adult brothers and sisters don't always do things that I appreciate. My, my oldest brother got a divorce a couple years ago and I, I think it was the wrong decision. I, I think he chose to take the easy way out and I'm not happy with him. And I, I don't, I don't respect the decision that that he made my my sister, my sister Mindy, who's probably my closest sibling since we're twins. But my sister Mindy, she drives me crazy sometimes. She uh, she's this Facebook person. Some of you might be this person. Uh, uh, point to him if if this is them. She's the one. You know, people on Facebook. Now she doesn't do this, but you know, people on Facebook that will put that cryptic note out there, uh, going through a tough time. Pray. I hate that because I'm curious. I want to know what's going on. So put tell me what's happening, but. But some, some of you people do that, and, and, and you know how everyone responds? Praying. I'll pray for you. Oh, I'm lifting you up in prayer. So they'll put the little emojis, you know, prayer hands, prayer hands, prayer hands, and hearts, and, and all that. You know what my sister Mindy does every time? What's going on? What's happening? Now, secretly, we, we read it. I just laugh. He's like, she did it. But I'm like, good, Mindy. Hopefully, I'll answer you so I know what's going on. <laughs> but I'm never going to put that on. That, now, now, my... 
My sister Mindy is a, a grandmother for the first time. Now, some of you put lots of pictures of your grandchildren on uh, on Facebook. Um, I'm not born to you, Lori, at all. I'm not. No. It's like you don't put anything on Facebook compared to my sister. She waited a long time for this grandbaby, and she puts pictures constantly. Every time she sees, what's his name? Miles. <laughs> See, I've, I've got a bad attitude towards him already. Every time she sees Miles, she takes dozens of pictures and slaps them on Facebook. And, and they're cute, but after a while, you're like, okay, it's Mindy. I don't, I don't really care that much. And, but she's that person. So sometimes I look at Mindy and I'm just like, oh, Mindy. But I tell you what. If you attack one of my siblings, even the mean one, my sister Beck, you attack me. If you hurt one of them, you hurt me. And if they needed me, I don't care how mean she was to me when I was growing up. I don't care how much a baby Cindy was. I don't care how upset I was with Rick. If you need me, I'm going to be there. And I know that if I need them, I'll be there. Do you see where, do you see where this is going? Do you see what Paul's trying to get across. When, when we look a little below the surface, the, the words, that's what it's really talking about. It's, it's developing that kind of concept within the church that, that we must be changed by our love. And then the last thing we see here is that love must be, love must be aggressive. Look at verses 11 and 12. Now, notice the, uh, notice the, the passion here, because our, our love must be aggressive in our passion. Notice the passion in these two verses. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I, I see the passion there. Uh, a few weeks ago, it might have been a month ago, in our Thursday prayer time, we were, were, were talking downstairs and Mary Jane Smith just made this comment that she's been praying for our church specifically. She's been praying for revival. That, that's just her prayer. Lord, send revival to our church. And, and, and I was moved by that. I thought, well, that is a neat idea. And I really appreciate her heart for that. And, but I got to think about what, what is revival? Revival is just passion. It, it's passion for repentance. It's passion for us knowing God. It's passion for us having a heart of servant, service. It's a passion for us caring. It's passion for us loving we we need to be aggressive in our passion in our passion and we need to be aggressive love must be need love must be aggressive in our practice paul kind of finished the finishes the thought in verse 13 and he really does on through the rest of the chapter kind of ties a bow on the end going back to love is sincere notice what he says in verse 13 share with god's people who are in need Practice hospitality. Kind of, kind of ties those together, pulls it together. What, what must our love ultimately be? What does sincere love look like? Well, we put it in practice. Um, I'll close with this. When we moved to Rushville years ago, uh, we met a lady in our church named Carol Craig. Carol, uh, Carol was a neat lady. She was, she was a little bit eccentric in, in some ways, but, but she was a cool lady. Now, now I'll be honest. She wasn't at church every Sunday. Probably three out of four Sundays. Uh, she was very active and very involved in lots of different things. But, but she wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like she was in church every single Sunday. But, but as I got to know Carol, I got to know her her heart, and I began to see 
who this lady was. And you know what I, what I saw was I saw a person who didn't just talk about love, didn't just pretend like she loved, didn't put a mask on, but I saw a lady who put it into practice, was sincere, who was authentic in her love. When someone needed her, I saw this over and over and over again. She was there. In 1998, uh, Carol Carol and her family lived at Sugar Lake. If any of you know the the area, Sugar Lake sits uh, around the Oxbow Lakes. And every time Missouri River floods, Sugar Lake floods. So those of you that have dealt with it in Wathena and Elwood area uh, around here, she dealt with it. So it flooded in 1984 and it flooded in 1993 and they flooded again in the 2000s, whatever the last one was. And and, uh, even though Carol has gone on to be with the Lord, she... She went through a number of floods, and every time she was one of the ones in the community stepping up and helping not just herself, but helping other people. Because her house one time was literally, the, the water was above the roof uh, of the house, but she was there helping. I, I, I watched as she helped people that didn't even live there. She had a neighbor named Lorene Cash, an older lady that eventually moved to California after the flood of 93. And, and whenever she needed her, Carol would fly to California to watch, to, to watch Lorene. And, and then when Lorene's, Lorene passed and her daughter got ill, Kara would fly to California just to help her out. We had a lady in our church and I don't remember exactly what, what, what the deal was, but needed to go to Michigan to do some special treatment. I believe it was for migraines. And, and I just threw out one Sunday, hey, is anyone willing to drive her to Michigan? Cause we, she, she couldn't get there herself. Carol was the one that raised her hand and said, I'll do it. And she didn't just drive her there. She drove and stayed with her for like two weeks at a time, a couple different times, just to help her out. When someone had surgery and needed someone to, to, to just come in and clean, it was always terrible. See, the, the truth was, when I saw her, I saw sincere love. We are called, we are called to be authentic. Our, our love is called to alter us, to change our, our attitude and change our allegiance so that we see one another not just as a church member, but we see each other as brother. It's by blood now. And we're called to be aggressive in our love. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you this morning that you've called us, that you've empowered us to, to love and represent you. Father, we pray this morning that we can take the mask off. It's so easy to talk about love But Father, you've called us in this passage to be sincere, to not be hypocritical, to not put a mask on and pretend, but to be real with it. Lord, we, we challenge, uh, we're challenged today to look at ourselves closely. Father, help us be honest. Father, help us be bold. Uh, Help us be aggressive as we love others in this church. In Jesus' name. Amen.